to episode six of the Raindrop Corner. This was by far one of my favorite interviews. I had the pleasure of interviewing Katie Davis, and she's just an all-around great person with so much wisdom um, in, in a lot of different areas. She runs a podcast called Crip Kids with her co-host, and she also has a tarot business, which is just awesome. This podcast episode was so much fun because not only did we talk about a lot of cool concepts such as horror films and our favorite horror films and the mechanics that go into it, but we also talked about Romania and Vampire Bats and Vlad the Impaler and the process of doing a tarot reading and just kind of the mindset to have when when going into it and just some of the things that she's encountered. And for me, it was a really enriching experience. So I hope that you all sincerely enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm here with Miss Katie Davis. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. You are the owner of Wednesday Oracle and Tarot. You're a horror movie aficionado. <laughs> so you recently are, you're about to start a podcast. What's the name of your podcast that you're starting? Right, it's called the Crip Kids Podcast. Tell me about it. What's it going to be? It's um, kind of like a passion project of my cousin Danielle mm-hmm. and I. We have, since we were kids, loved horror movies. We saw, you know, our first horror movies when we were like six or seven years old. Which I would say now is too young to watch horror movies, but back then, you know, we thought we were old enough. Um, And we've been obsessed. We love horror movies, and we were getting together every week just to watch horror movies and play uh, horror movie trivia games and, uh, you know, do all this horror movie-related stuff. And we were like, you know, we should you know, do a podcast about this. We should record this, like our banter about it, us talking about (laughs) it, all our thoughts and everything. Um, So that's kind of what we're doing. We're just talking about different horror genres, um, our favorite movies, our favorite people in horror, what we want to see more of. And then obviously we talk a lot about, you know, how those traditional horror roles have changed, um, how, you know, the difference between men and women in horror. Um... And of course, like the all the things that you see in horror, like sexism and the fact that it's a, a really male-dominated field. That's true. And just talking about that, um, but it's kind of changing, so we like to talk about that too. <laughs> That's cool. I um I love horror movies. What would you say is your? I'm not gonna ask you what your favorite is because normally that's hard for people. <laughs> do you have like a top three? I do, I do, and I even have like a bona fide favorite. And my number one favorite is Halloween. Yes! 1978, John Carpenter. I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's my favorite. Um, it always, you know, stays at the top of my list just because it, it was one of my first that mm-hmm. I saw. Um, I'm obsessed with John Carpenter because he does everything. <laughs> I mean, especially for Halloween, he wrote, he wrote the movie in like a week. Um, they filmed it in a month. He wrote the screen. Uh, he wrote the screenplay. He wrote the title track. Um, you know, like the theme song for the movie, and did the whole score. He um, did the casting, the costumes. He produced it. He directed it. Like he literally did everything for that movie, and mm-hmm. it was very low budget. And the next time you watch it, notice that it was filmed in the middle of like spring, summer in California. And the movie is supposed to be set in <laughs> Illinois in the autumn. If you look, you can see like palm trees and like all the trees are green. 
And they painted like 500 leaves and just threw them on the ground so it would look like it was autumn. You know, I never noticed that. Yeah. But now that you, you say it. Yeah. Now <laughs> I remember it. Exactly. It's really funny. It's just, but you don't even notice because the whole um, movie just like draws you in. You don't even notice that kind of thing, which I think is something that makes the movie really great too. Um, but that's uh, one of my favorite like trivia bits about that movie because it's just so funny to me you taught me something new i didn't know that <laughs> yeah they also they got all their costumes from jc penny so <laughs> their, their costume budget was like a hundred dollars and i think L- jamie lee curtis like bought her own outfits herself they're oh, just wow. like all right pick out what your character is gonna wear here at this jc penny <laughs> and she was like i got this so i always think that's really funny that is hilarious what about number two and number three. Hmm. Okay. My number two and number three, um, would one would be Hellraiser, for oh, I sure. Love that movie too. I love Hellraiser because I really like body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, because in real life I'm very squeamish. I don't want to see it. You know, <laughs> I can't like. I like to watch like when people post those videos. You know, they'll post like the pimple popping videos everybody loves. <laughs> I'm like, okay, if it's like a little pimple, I'm fine. But then some of them, they're like. Check out this huge like cyst we had yeah. to surgically. Those creep me I out. can't. My yeah. knees. I, can't I do feel it, it in my knees. Get weak. <laughs> okay, I can't. But in movies, I love it because you know that it's not real, and so then your next thought is, well, it was back then before we got like you know all these advancements in CGI. But it was like, man, this isn't real. Like, how did they do that? Exactly. And so I really like practical effects like that, and that's a. Uh, big Clive Barker thing. All of his movies are, like, practical effects, and um, he uses a lot of really talented, like, special effects artists, and all of Hellraiser is practical effects. And even, I would even say Hellraiser 2 is the better one. I feel that way, too. I actually watched it last night. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. It's like you knew. Yep. And I, but I love, I think Hellraiser 2 is the better one, and... It's just, you're, like, amazed watching it, like, the practical effects. Like, how is the, how is this not real? Like, what is, how, what did they do to achieve this effect? Um, I really like that about it. And then after Hellraiser, I'd have to say, it's a newer one, but it would be Get Out. I loved that movie, but, you know, it was completely different from what I expected. Yeah. Because I, um, I made it a point to not learn anything about it and I tried to ignore people when they were posting about (laughs) it because I didn't want them to spoil the movie for me but I thought it was brilliant and it's a concept that's never been done before and it was funny too like so it was a mix of horror and comedy at the same time right and that's what I really love about it is it was it's not anything that you're expecting and I do the same thing like I I will not watch a movie trailer I hate movie trailers because, and if you watch, like, a good thing, a good study to look at, like, how movie trailers have changed, mm-hmm. is go back and watch, like, movie trailers from, like, the 70s and 80s. So different. And watch them now. The, the trailers then were almost, like, this is, like, the setup of the story, mm-hmm. but they didn't show any scenes. It was all, like, kind of narrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they did show scenes, it was very quick, you know? Like, it, it wasn't, like trailers now which are really long and it's just like a bunch of these are all the parts of the movie and it's like full scenes almost and it it kind of just ruins it for me so I don't like to watch trailers I don't like to read synopsises if somebody is like 
that I saw this movie and it was good, I'm like, okay, great. Don't tell me anything else. That's really all I need. I just, like, I don't want to know. I want to go in blind. I want to know, like, is it an action movie? Is it a horror movie? Is it an indie movie? That's all I want to know. I don't want to know anything else. And that's how I was with Get Out. I think I did see a trailer because I went to the movies to see something. Mm -hmm. And, like, you can't avoid it at that point. That's true. You know, I'm not going to, like, close my eyes and ears and just, like, hum or anything during the trailers. But... Um, I don't seek them out, but I did see it for Get Out, and I mean, I love Key and Peele, so I was like, oh, that's interesting, like, he's doing a <laughs> horror movie like that, but I feel like the thing with horror and the thing with fear and comedy is that they're both very personal, like, they're both uh, tied to our own experiences, like, the things that scare you are going to be really personal to you, they're going to be based on what you've experienced in your life things that you've gone through. The same with comedy. Like, the things that are going to be funny to you are the things that you relate to, the things that um, show you, expose, like, parts of your life, things that you've lived through. Um, And so I feel like they always work really well together. There's so many great horror comedies. And uh, so I was like, I know this is going to be good. And then it came out, and everybody was like, perfect scores. Like, this is the best. And I was like, okay, I'm... Because you get worried. Because then you're like, I'm going to be disappointed. So I went in and watched it, and I loved it. It was so good, and then I watched it once it came out. I've seen it, now I got it on, like, Amazon. Um, and it was even better the second time because you notice everything. <laughs> um, but there are, like you said, there's parts where you're just, like, legitimately laughing. You're really laughing like it's, like, a comedy movie. You're, like, a real laugh. And you're not just saying they're like, hmm, that's funny. You're, yeah, like, exactly. legitimately <laughs> laughing. And, but then there's other parts where you're, like, on the edge of your seat, or, like, there's a little jump scare, and you jump, and you're scared, and, um, so I really think it blends those two things together, and it's just important, and I love the ending. I loved the ending, too. I thought it was great. (laughs) Because it kind of, like, tricks you, and you thought it was gonna go one way, and it goes another. I mean, I'm not gonna ruin it, but it was great. (laughs) It's just great. So, that, that one is, uh, of... Of my list of, like, top five favorites, um, which is actually what the first episode of our podcast is kind of about. We talk about our top fives Mm -hmm. um, in a lot more detail, but um, that's... I talked about Get Out. It's the only, like, modern-day one that's on my list. I can't say that that I blame you. I I prefer older horror movies because Mm -hmm. I feel like they're more realistic, and I feel like we kind of... I don't sex. I don't think sexify is a word. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But it's more. It's like it's, an exploitative yeah. stance on it, and that's very true. I mean, there are some movies from back then that are a little bit like that, but you're right. They're a. It's almost like cheaper now. Yeah, exactly. It's not like taken seriously, and so people are like horror movies. That's all about like make people grossed out and make them scream or, like, show them naked people and that's it. Like, that's kind of, like, the modern-day equation for a horror movie. Um, But there's some good ones, like Cabin in the Woods. I love Cabin in the Woods. I actually like the old and the new one for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I really like that one. I like, I like the new Evil Dead, um, as a separate movie. I know a lot of people don't, but... 
if you just look at it as like a reimagining of Evil Dead, not like a remake. You can appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, I think it makes it a lot easier to appreciate it. Plus, it's just, that movie is really gnarly. A lot of like crazy. <laughs> like, there's parts where you, I had to look away because, like I said, like, I mean, and that movie is CGI, not like practical effects, but there's parts where I'm just like, okay, that's happening. I made the mistake of watching that movie when I was eating dinner because I was really, really hungry, oh, but I no. wanted to see the movie, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> that's like when I was, I was showing a friend a Hellraiser for the first time because mm-hmm. he had never seen it. And I was, we had like gone and gotten food. I was like, all right, we gotta eat this first, and uh, then we're gonna watch the movie. He was like, why? I was like, well, just, just trust me, it's just gonna happen. Um, that's funny. Yeah, I can't eat and watch stuff like that either. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's a few exceptions. Like I said, Cabin in the Woods, It Follows, um, is really good. It Follows was really good, but I feel like it was really underrated. Like a lot of oh, people yeah. just don't realize how awesome that movie is. That's true. I think it it's weird with that movie, too, because when I watched it for the first time, mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters, and I didn't like it when I first saw it, but I also think that that is because the person I saw it with didn't like it, and that kind of colors how you see it, That's too. true. You know, the person behind next to you is, like, sighing the whole time, or like, oh, this part's dumb. I don't know. For <laughs> me, I just, like, am easily... I was just like, oh, and I didn't like it that much, but I watched it recently, and... I love it. I bought it on Blu-ray. I love it so much. <laughs> it's really good. And uh, it. I like the the thing about that movie is you don't know what time period it's set in. They have, like, some weird... Like, they don't use cell phones. They don't text. But they have, like, weird e-reader gadgets. Um, they have, like, other... But you, there's no mention of, like, the time period. They dress in a way where it's, like, you don't know... Um, everyone has old cars, so, you, like, you don't notice. It's just, like, I like that part of it. It has, like, a timelessness to it because you don't know. There's never a point where you're going to look at that movie and just be like, oh, man, this movie is so 90s. Like, if you watch <laughs> Halloween H2O or, like, Scream, you're like, wow, this movie is super 90s. Like, that's a movie that you can watch at any time and be like, oh, okay. That's you true. don't even think about it. Do you have a favorite genre of horror, or do you kind of all over the place as far as what you enjoy? That's a good question. I really like body horror movies, um, which is funny because, like I said, I'm squeamish, but I feel like that's why I like them the most because they're they they're unnerving to me, and I like that feeling of being like uncomfortable when I'm watching something. So I really like body horror movies. Obviously anything like Cronenberg would be body horror, so like The Fly. Um which is a perfect movie. Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Um, Videodrome, Scanners, um, New Nightmare, everything like that. Um, I really like. Um, I also really like slasher movies. I know they're kind of like. Yeah, they're considered like, you know, the cheapest of the genre usually, but that's like, you know, Halloween is a slasher movie. Um, I really like The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yes. Which is, yeah, like an original slasher. And I like the original Friday the 13th, even though I, like, refuse to watch it now because I found out that the snake in that movie that they kill in the beginning, Mm -hmm. they really killed that snake. It was a real snake that they killed. I didn't know that either. And I was obsessed with Friday the 13th movies growing up. Mm -hmm. So 
it upset me because I love snakes. I love mm. snakes to death. Me too. I love snakes. Like, how can you just kill a snake for your movie? I mean, I don't know. There's just, like, part of me that as, like, an artist that's, like, that's so authentic. But then there's another part of me that's, like, a vegan. And, like, why <laughs> the, why are you killing snakes for your stupid movie? I love snakes. Like, there you could have been. And it's also just, like, to me as someone who's a fan of practical effects, it's, like, cheap because it, that's, like, the easiest way that's out. True. That's true. Yeah, it's the easiest way out and it does the most harm. Like, it would be so much less harmful and less, like, less of an impact on, like, the world around you to, like, create something that looks realistic. Because it's not like when people saw it, they were like, oh, I could tell it's definitely a real snake. They probably just thought, like, wow, those are really good effects. Yeah. You know, like, we didn't watch it and think, like, oh, that's definitely a real snake. It's not like it made a difference. I mean, at that time, I don't even think we were paying that much attention to the snake in right. that particular scene. It's not like that's what the so, whole movie's yeah, about. It's exactly. Like the crux of the entire <laughs> movie or anything. Like, I don't know. So, I, but I would say those two genres for sure. Those are awesome genres. I like, I really like body type horror, but I also like, um, I'm more of a psych- psychological mm. type person. I like for my mind to be fucked with a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> During the movie, too. So I bet you really did like Cabin in the Woods. Huh? I really loved Cabin That's in the Woods. That's a good one. Yeah, I love I love that movie. And the thing with that movie too is that you don't like there's just such a twist. And the whole movie you're just like watching it and, and you kind of are understanding what's happening, but you still don't expect what's going to happen at the end. It's just such a weird concept. I really like that one. Um, you would probably also really like Funny Games. Oh, that is that? one of my favorite. I saw the um I saw the older one, and then I saw the newer one. And I actually liked both, but that movie creeped me the hell out yes. for a while. You know, it was really, really creepy. So we had a neighbor knock on our door the following day asking oh. for eggs. My mom's like, nope. No. Nope. We don't have any <laughs> eggs. Never ask again. Goodbye. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah, that movie freaks me out because I'm really scared of, like, home invasion. Because mm-hmm. I like true crime stuff also, so... Um, I just get really scared of, like, home invasion and that movie. Also, and I mean, I've, I like the, um, the newer one, which is just, I mean, it's by the same director. He did it ten years later, like, ten years after the original, and he, um, he did, it was, like, a shot-by-shot remake, so he wrote and directed, like, both movies. I just think it's really interesting, because usually when there's, like, a remake of a movie... It's somebody else. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, somebody else's reimagining of it, and they kind of change it, like, you know, like, Evil Dead, like, Last House on the Left, like, the new, like, Rob Zombie's Halloween. They're all, like, done by different people. They have, like, the essence, but they, um, they're, like, that director's, yeah. you can tell. And so it's just funny that he sequeled his own movie... I mean, remade his own movie, like, ten years later, and it's just, it makes me laugh, but um, he did the original, and I think it's an Austrian movie, originally, and he wanted to film it, like, with American actors, and so that people would go and see it, Um, because he was like, I like my concept, I did a great job, and this movie needs to be more popular in America. Um, and he has Michael Pitt in it, who is just creepy. He's just He creepy. is creepy. He's, he's naturally creepy. I hear he's really nice in real life. Yeah, I bet <laughs> you'd have to be, because he looks like such a creep. So, I mean, he's great in that movie, and Naomi Watts, 
obviously I love her, so she does a great job, but Michael Pitt, like, just his face. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He And he always plays, like, that role, too. Like, somebody, like, creepy, deranged, like, rich kid. I think he enjoys it. Yeah. He, it must be be if he it must be because he's not like that in real life, so maybe it's like an escape for him. You know, like if you're always the good guy, you want to play like a villain every once in a while. I think so. if I was an actress, I would be like the craziest person in the world mm-hmm. in a movie because that just seems like so much fun. It always seems like it's more fun to play like the weird or crazy or like villainous characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like that takes more to do. I don't know why. Maybe that's another reason why. You- I would like horror movies. <laughs> you write, too, correct? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. What kind of... Tell me a little bit about your writing. So I mostly write poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tried to write stories in the past, and I've done it, but it's just a lot... The things I want to express mm-hmm. are usually just enough for a poem, and then that's it. And that's okay. But, yeah, um, I mean, I like it that way, and it's a good way to kind of visit something and then leave it alone and I feel like it's very personal also um and I've been doing I mean I've been writing poetry my entire life like since I was a child so I just can't imagine not doing it I definitely do it less these days um but you know there's still just times where you're just sitting there you're driving or something and then like a line comes to you and you're just like okay you're like, let me, I'm not texting while driving, so let me hit record here. I have to get this note down, like, you know, you know, I'm sorry, Mom, but if I don't write this line down right now in traffic, then I'm going to forget it. So, you know, I, and I also feel like, you know, those commercials where people are like, don't answer a text because it'll be the last thing you ever do or something like that. I feel like I'd be okay if it was, like, because I was writing down the line for a poem. You know, at least I died doing something I wanted to do. It's a good cause. (laughs) You know? Like, it wasn't me texting someone, like, BRB or, like, a C (laughs) and a Min. You know, it was me, like, writing down a a line from a poem. I'd be maybe okay with that. Because when it hits you... Because there have been times where, like, I was was about to go to bed Mm -hmm. and something came to me and I was like... All right, let me. I'll remember that in the morning. It's fine. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, "What? What was I thinking? I have no idea what I was thinking last night. There's no way I'll ever remember." And then it's just like lost. It's like gone, and it feels terrible. It does because it could have been like one of the greatest ideas that you've ever had before. Right? That could have been your greatest idea. That could have been the one, and now you don't know. You went to sleep. You went to sleep because you're terrible. (laughs) So I. I don't know, I'll risk it. I'll risk it all to write down a line that I remember. Um, But I have been recently trying to write a screenplay for a horror movie. So we'll see. That's what I've been working on lately. It's just hard to uh, force myself to do it. You know, I get, like, worried because I want it to be really good. And then you're like, the thing about wanting it to be great, especially with writing, I feel like is... You want it to be really good, you're very excited about it, you have it in your mind that it's going to be good, but the only thing that can prove you wrong is if you start to write it and it's terrible. That's true. So, you know, sometimes I put it off for that reason. Um, But I've been trying, I've been trying to do that, and it's rewarding. You know, it's, it, when I do force myself to do it, I'm like, yes, 
I have control over myself, and I'm forcing <laughs> myself to do this. It takes willpower to do it. It's really hard to write anything, whether it's a poem, a screenplay. Screenplays, to me, are a little bit harder. I'm also trying to write a horror screenplay. Oh, that's awesome. And I've been trying to write it for about four years now. Yep. I feel like that's going to be me. <laughs> it's been a while, but it's fun. Yeah. It's so much fun, because you get to write a different type of story. Right. And I feel like it's also one of those things where when you have a story that you want to write, um, it's almost like if you write it and it's out, then it's kind of like when you binge watch a show on Netflix and then it's over. Yeah. And you feel like you like your friend died or something. Because you're like, <laughs> where are those characters that I'm like so used to? Like Exactly. So every like night before I go, like, go to sleep or like when I'm driving, I'm thinking about like my story or my screenplay. Um you know, I'm thinking about what do I want to do, thinking about the character, you know, you go through, like, different scenarios as that character, you think about different scenes that you would want, you know, you, like, listen to songs, you, like, pretend like you're, you're watching your movie with, like, that exactly. song happening over it, um, and I feel like if I started to write it and then it was out, then I would, like, miss that. I don't know, so I think about that sometimes, too. I'm like, man, if I wrote this, I'd really miss thinking about this so all the time. So you get, like, completion anxiety. Yeah. I, I do, too. I'm glad it's not just me. Because <laughs> telling that to somebody else that doesn't write, it just feels like they're judging me. Right. They're like, uh, okay, so you would rather sit around all day and daydream about your thing than uh, just doing it? Like, what are you talking about? Exactly. So, yeah. And, I mean, I do have some friends and people who are very, like, practical, and a lot of people who are great writers, they don't, they just don't think that way, um, and, you know, there's times where I envy that, you know, I'm like, man, I wish that I just had, like, the, I don't know what it is, like, the sheer control and willpower to just, like, sit down, write what I want to write, finish it, done, like, that would be amazing, um, but then sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm sure that there's, merits to both methods you know I I like the I like being passionate about it I like daydreaming about it it's fun for me (laughs) um I don't mind it and when I do finish something like the accomplishment that I feel is insane like it's insane because you just feel like okay never finish anything and I finish this thing this is amazing so I, I like that feeling so I feel like I would miss that that's understandable. And I think that you'll you'll probably have that moment where it clicks and it all comes together and you're able to just write it. Oh, yeah. I feel like everyone has that moment. Sometimes it takes people longer than others, but it happens. That's true. It's, it's happened to me on other projects, just not that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand. It, it's coming, though, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned that poetry is really, really personal. Um, I know that you also own a business now that you just started. I do. Where you actually work with tarot, tarot cards and you do tarot readings for people. Um, tell me exactly how you got into doing tarot and what it means to you. So I've been really interested in it for a long time. Um, my mom and her entire side of the family was born in Romania um, and they immigrated here when my mom was younger, um, and then they moved to Michigan. They've lived there ever since. My mom moved us down to Florida, and I've always, you know, you always hear, so I went to an elementary school, 
um, in here in Jacksonville, that was a magnet school, and the magnet was multicultural. That's cool. So it was really neat. Um, looking back, like I'm glad I got to go there of all the places because it was a lot about talking about people's heritage. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of people from all over the world. Like we had a lot of, um, students who had immigrated here. We had a lot of students who were like refugees and, and things like that. And it was really neat. Um, and we had talked a lot about people's heritage. So, like, every class project, we'd do a lot of projects about, like, our home country and, like, our, you know, this. We had to do, um, like, there were days where, like, everyone had to bring in a dish from their, like, home country. And so we all got to try, like, different foods. And this was, like, you know, in the early to mid-90s. So, like, you could just bring food in for students. Now I'm sure that is not a thing anymore. But Unfortunately, probably Yeah. Not. But um, we would do that. And we had, like, big festivals called like multicultural festival where we would like learn how to count to five in like German That's because cool. like these yeah we had like because these people came in dressed in dressed in traditional German like dress mm -hmm. and like did a dance and they counted to like five in German in the dance so like they would do that and then we would um we had to learn how to spin, how to sing like three or four different songs in Spanish, and then we like performed them for like our parents, yeah. Um, and so it was really cool. Like people's parents would come in, or they would like hire people to come in um, to like just talk to us about their heritage. Mm -hmm. And so my my heritage obviously is Romanian, so I talked about that, and so. Like, in third grade, I was doing reports on, like, you know, Dracula, and, um... I envy your yeah. elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was fun, um, I remember having to do something for science class, and I was trying to do something from Romania, and so I had to pick vampire bats, <laughs> and so I got, like, I made, like, these little bats out of clay, and went and bought one of those little volcanoes from, like, the hobby shop and mm -hmm. made it into, like, a mountain and then put, like, cows on it. And then the bats were, like, killing the cows. That and, like, is drinking so Drinking their cool. blood. And I just spilled, like, red nail polish all over everything. And they were, like... You were born right. to write a horror movie. I know. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really... I um I always... My mom has, like, pictures of it of me, like, as, like, a little third grader at the, at the table with, like, my vampire bat display <laughs> and, like... I did, like, a book report about, like, Dracula, and I was, my teacher was like, okay, that's an interesting topic, because <laughs> the actual, like, Dracula, Vlad the Impaler was what I did the report on, and mm -hmm. obviously he, like, he would, like, invite people in the town to, like, go to dinner at his house, and then he would, like, have, like, people's heads, like, mounted on stakes, like, around the table. He was crazy. Um, so I wrote a report on him, obviously. And, uh, it was, but a lot of being, like, Romanian, and it's some, it's a, it's a thing that you don't think about, and, like, when you think of stereotypes for, like, different people, or, like, some, like, mean things that people would say to you mm -hmm. for, like, being of a certain nationality, and people would always, like, call me a gypsy, and people do it to this day. It doesn't bother me, um, because I like to think that 
I, like, own the word. Like, I like it. I don't Mm -hmm. mind it. Um, But, like, my mom gets very offended. Like, she hates when people call her that. Um, And it's just because, you know, in America, it you know, you think of Gypsy. You don't really think of it. You think of, like, you know, Stevie Nicks. Or you think of, like, you know, white girls going to Coachella or something like that. (laughs) You know, you don't really think about it. You know, it doesn't have, like, a connotation. Um, But in you know, Europe, if you hear gypsy, you think of somebody who is, like, a thief, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not, like, a nice word, it's, like, kind of derogatory, yeah. um, and so my mom, like, had a lot of people teasing her growing up and calling her a gypsy, and she would hate it, um, and I am not even, like, born in Romania, um, I was born here in America, and still, like, people say it to me, so I'm like, my mom must have gotten it really bad, because, like, her, my grandmother, like, barely spoke English, she was mainly spoke Romanian, mm-hmm. um, and my grandfather still to this day has, like, a Romanian accent, and he's lived in America for a long time, and when he comes down here, um, he stays with us for, like, well, he stays with my mom from, like, December until March, because he lives in Michigan, it's really cold, and he's, you know... almost 90 Mm -hmm. and he comes down here and he'll go to like Publix or like go to a restaurant and try to order food and like nobody understands what he's saying (laughs) um and he's still like he'll write notes for me and like it'll mostly like be in Romanian and um and so I just imagine like how bad that they got that but I've always kind of liked it because I've always liked that mysticism Mm -hmm. of it and you know I think of Gypsy I I understand like the thieving part but if you read into the history of why they did that it's because um you know much like when English settlers came to America and they chased Native Americans out that's kind of what happened to the Romani people and the people um that we would refer to as gypsies and other people refer to as gypsies um, it's like a mix of, and it's people that aren't from a specific place. You know what I mean? It's not like R- Romanians. Um, there's like a difference between Romanian and Romani. And Romani is made up of people from Romania, from Hungary, from um, a lot of different places. So mm-hmm. a lot of them are um, Hungarian or Romanian, um, even like Serbian. And so... Um, they're just from a lot of places, but it's because they were driven out of um, where they lived before, and they were really poor. And so now they travel, they travel in groups, they steal to try to get, you know, money or to get foods to live. Um, you know, not condoning it, saying that, like, you know, you know, steal from everybody and kill them so you can get what you need. But, you know, I see it as I'm sure a lot of them were in, like, a kind of like a Robin Hood scenario where they were just really poor and so they needed to steal so that they could eat you know and things like that but um I've always been interested in like the magical part of that um I have had a few experiences that just made me um believe in something like that and so I've always been interested in tarot cards and um things like that and so I decided on my own one day because my mom 
is one of those people who's, like, very superstitious, and so she's mm-hmm. like, you can't mess with that stuff. It's kind of, you know, she worries about me all the time, because I, <laughs> you know, for a while I was like, I'm just not going to tell her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to tell her about it, and then her best friend is actually, um, who I call aunt, because we've been, you know, she's been my mom's best friend for years, and she used to live next door to us. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really into that stuff, too, and she actually... Um, has gone to a lot of different tarot readers and had her cards read and gone to, like, psychics and stuff. And so she was like, oh, you have to do a tarot reading for me. And my mom was like, what? And I was like, oh, (laughs) mom, let me tell you something. Uh, I kind of do this now. She was like, okay. So she's kind of superstitious about it. She thinks it's like, you know... Because there's basically two camps of people. There's the people who, um, in Romania, who are gypsies or who are witches who believe in it who practice it and then there's um and there's people who believe that that's a thing and then the other people who are like no that's evil or that's satanic or that's just a crock to make money you know whatever so um it's very divided and I would say that my mom kind of falls in the no that's evil and satanic kind of but she does kind of believe in mystical things because we've both had joint experiences Mm -hmm. together that led us kind of to believe that but she's still very skeptical about it but it's that skepticism that somebody has when they've experienced it so they can't like outright say no I don't believe it but still they have some weariness because they were like raised a certain Mm -hmm. way or like if you're raised you know in a specific religion Mm -hmm. especially if it's like very orthodox religion or um if people are very old-fashioned about it it becomes really hard to challenge those beliefs you know and it's really hard sometimes to just like to change your mindset is kind of scary sometimes because that's like the one thing that never changes or like you know if a lot of things around you are constantly changing you take solace in the fact that you have something you know, stable. Exactly. Um, and so I think it's kind of hard for her to change that, but she's she comes around sometimes, you know. She <laughs> believes it, so when she lets herself loose, so. Have you experienced any resistance with that? Because I know on a personal level, I'm probably nowhere near as in tuned as you are. Um, I've, I do tarot, but it's more for, you know for others like right. as more of something that I enjoy mm-hmm. as a hobby almost uh, but have you experienced resistance towards people who think you're strange or who almost kind of criticize you because you do tarot because it's something that you're passionate about definitely um, and it's it's funny because I have um, you know you meet like people who believe it and you meet people who don't believe it um, very rarely you find someone in the middle mm-hmm. who is like, I'm not sure, it could be, it could not be, I don't know. Um, you don't, or if people feel that way, they don't often express it. They're either into it and they don't say anything or they aren't into it. If they don't believe it, they will tell you about it forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it might just be because if they do believe it and we get into a discussion, it's fun for me. So maybe I don't notice, but um, when people don't believe it, they really want to tell you about it. That's true. Um, and two examples I can kind of think of are 
um, I went to an event where I was reading, um, and it was at a bar here in town, and it was people coming up to a table I had and just getting readings, and it was, um, it was a nightclub called Eclipse here in Jacksonville, which is um, kind of in the Riverside area, and it's been, since its inception, kind of like a goth weirdo club, um, and so the scene, if you ever go in there, is like, you know, people who were either people now who are considered like goth or um, or something like that, or people who were like new wave in the 80s, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> things like that. So it's really, but it's really a club for anybody. Like nobody who goes in there is going to get a weird look. Unless maybe you're, like, more of a beach kind of person. That's People true. are going to be like, okay. But you're still, <laughs> people aren't going to be mean to you, obviously. Everyone's very accepting. They're just going to be like, okay, did you wander into the wrong place? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Um, they do a lot of, like, um, burlesque and fetish shows there. They also have, like, um, you know, they have, like, an 80s night where they play a lot of The Cure and Depeche Mode. Yeah, I've, um, gone, to, I've gone to one of those before. Yeah. <laughs> So you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, they have, like, cages for you to dance in. Uh, it's a really neat place, though. And they did kind of like a mini renaissance fair there one night. And I got asked to go and read. So I was there reading. I was doing, like, $5 readings. People were having a lot of fun with it. Um, and then a guy came up, and he was like, oh, I, I want to get a, a reading, like, how do I get in line for this? And I had, like, two people sitting at my table, mm-hmm. so I was like, well, as soon as they're done, you can be next. That's fine. So he was like, okay. So he went over, and he was with his friends, and they didn't seem like the typical Eclipse crowd, especially mm-hmm. for, like, that night. But, um, you know, I didn't really think anything of it mm-hmm. until he came over, and I was shuffling the cards and just kind of talking to him. I was like, so, like, what brings you to Eclipse? Mm-hmm. Have you been here before? Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, my, my friends and I came for goth night the other night. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, what brought you here? And he was like, oh, we just think it's hilarious. Like, we just like to make fun of people and laugh at them and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I didn't know what to say because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just feel like um, – Obviously, like, they like it there. Like, there, if you really were to spend your time doing something just to make fun of other people, then you're, one, either jealous that the other people feel, like, free enough or secure enough in themselves to do whatever they want, mm-hmm. and you're feeling jealous of that. Or, two, you're literally just, like, a sociopath, and you're evil, and you just want to, like, hurt people. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other, and I really really lean towards the first option being the common one and so I was like okay so immediately in my head I'm like this person is like deeply insecure about themselves for some reason um which is funny and I tried to not let that color the reading mm-hmm. but it was just like immediately he told me a lot about himself mm-hmm. just with that one thing that he said and so during the reading I mean you can tell when somebody is skeptical or someone doesn't believe, like, during a reading, you can tell. Um, and it's usually very hard to get a read-off of people who don't want to give you anything. You know, because it's not... I'm not, like, Miss Cleo, 
<laughs> you know, I'm not going to tell you, like, you know, oh, in two weeks, um, you're going to get a new job. You know, it's mm-hmm. not really like that. It's more of a time for introspection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more of a conversation and less of me just telling you things. Um, and so there's going to be times where I ask questions. There's going to be, you know, I, I don't get everything. I get readings. I see this and I'm like, okay, this could mean this or this or this, depending on what it is you want to know. So a lot of times people sit down and they're like, oh, I know the question. I don't want to tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you tell me. Or, oh, I don't have a question, which is kind of not how it works. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people just want, you know, just tell me generally, like, my future. Um, But at the end of that particular reading for that person, he did... um, I, like I said, I was doing $5 readings, and he just gave me $10 and was like, keep it, and left. So I don't know if he did that, um, you know, because of some weird I'm making fun of you thing, mm-hmm. or because he enjoyed it, I'm not sure. But regardless, I did get $10 off of him, so it was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, um, I hope that he kind of listens to what the message was, but... You know, you do, you get people that, um, you know, think you're, want either think you're crazy or they think you're silly or they think you're um, lying to try to get something out of them. I don't know what, even like I've done readings for people for free Mm -hmm. who are like, try to test me, you know, and I'm like, what is this? Like, am I like in some CD shop, like trying to do like a magic trick for you? (laughs) Like, what are you trying to pull? There's no wires anywhere. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not like... You know, I don't know. So a lot of people are very, like, they don't want to tell you anything about themselves. They don't want to answer any questions. They just want to, like, test you on your knowledge. And they see expect how you to you just are. know. Right. Magically. And that's not, yeah. like, that's not how it works. Like, are there, there's energy in the universe. Um, I believe that there's certain things that happen for a reason. I believe that there's spirits. I believe in all that stuff. But... You know, I also don't believe that, you know, I'm not that so raven. Yeah. You know, I'm not like, well, just got a vision. I'm more like, <laughs> here are a few words. Here's some fragments. Um, here's, like, what I'm picking up. Here's the energy I'm sensing. Um, but it's like two people doing a puzzle. You know, don't make me put all the pieces together. Exactly. I'm going to, I have the pieces here. I need you to help me put them in order. Um, that's the, so the people who uh, believe in it and who aren't trying to test me, those people get the best readings. I mean, the people who are trying to test, you know, you can, there's ways to try to like break through and get them to kind of um, work with you more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so much easier when someone sits down with an open mind to help them read for them and, you know, make sure that they get the most out of it. Because they're the ones who are open to... I mean, if you want change in your life, this might sound a little bit obvious, but if you want change in your life, you have to be open that's true. to change. Um, and that's like a step that a lot of people miss. They want, um, they want things to be different. They want their life to be different. They don't understand this cycle that they're caught in or why does the same thing keep happening to me, but then they don't want to change. You know, that's where everything starts. You have to make it, you have to open your mind, change, you know, think about how you view things, how you think about things, and try to turn that on its head and see. I mean, that'll, 
change a lot of things. If you just think about how you're viewing things and try to look at it from a different perspective or, you know, every time I'm faced with this decision or this dilemma or this situation, I react this way. Okay, maybe I should try reacting this other way. See how far that gets me. Um, You know, I think a lot of what happens to us is product of how we act, how we react to things, how we are with other people. And there's things that even anybody, even people who don't practice, who don't, like, attune themselves to other people... Um, even just anybody, even people who don't believe in that kind of stuff, they will subconsciously pick up on things about you um, and treat you a certain way. That's true. So if you're like, man, people just treat me like this and it sucks and I don't do anything, you know, like everyone, when I'm in a group of people, everyone always singles me out. They always pick on me or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, those people are terrible for one, you know. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, if you're in a group of people and all those people want to do is, like, pick on somebody, then, like, they're bullies. But at the same time, think about, think about it as yourself. If you're in, if every time you're in a situation with, with new groups of people, they treat you a certain way, then you have two options. You can control yourself, how you react, and how you act, when you're faced with that situation, or you can control how other people treat you. If you try to control other people and how they treat you, they're not going to want to hang out with you, obviously. um, Because you can't control what other people do. All you can control is yourself. Um, Now, this is just, uh, like, really what it boils down to is a feeling. Every time you're in a new group of people, people probably aren't actually picking on you. That's how you perceive it. Exactly. So if you really are in a situation where every time you meet a group of people, they're literally bullying you, then, like, obviously fuck those people. Never talk to them again. (laughs) Exactly. But it probably is just your perception of things, and what could happen is somebody is making a joke to you, and instead of laughing about it and making a joke back, you're getting upset, and then you, you know get upset with them, then they really are going to be upset with you because you're upset with them. So it just, like, is a cycle, and it's things that people don't even see. You know, it's not... You don't have to go up to someone and be like, hey, I'm upset with you, for them to know. Like, your body language will tell them, and they won't even know that they're reading your body language, and they are. You know, so it's, like, things that we pick up on people or pick up from people that we don't even realize it. Um... And I have always, my entire life, felt when I'm around people that I can pick up on their emotions. And it is it affects me a lot because I don't try to. It's not like I sit near someone and like put my hands on my temple and I'm like, all right, I'm reading you. Like, let me see what your aura is. It's just like I'm around them and then suddenly like I'm sad for no reason. And I'm like, why am I sad? Like, what is happening right now? Okay, it's because you know, I'm near this person, they must be sad. And you don't realize it sometimes. Um, But I've always just picked up on that. And it took me a while to realize that's what was happening. And I just thought, like, I was bipolar. Because I was like, sometimes, like, I'm fine. And then, like, I'll get really sad. Or I'll just feel, like, angry for some reason. 
And then I realized it was always around, like, certain people. Like, man, every time I'm near this person, I feel like I have a short fuse for some reason. And it's like they're not even doing anything. So, like, why am I... Why do I feel angry? Energy is infectious, though. It is. Especially extreme energies, like anger and, like, immense happiness and sadness. Jealousy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what's really important, especially with... um, And I'm sure you've experienced this with, like, reading tarot... Is people bring everything yes. there. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, usually when people want tarot readings, it's because it's something they're unsure about or worried about. So a lot of, I mean, most of the readings I do are about, like, love mm-hmm. and um, situations where people want to know, like, I went on a date, is it going to work mm-hmm. out? Or, like, you know, is this person the one? Or is, is she going to call me? Is he thinking about me? You know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Or the other ones are always, like, job, career-related. Is this the right move? What should I do with my life? Um, you know, do I accept this promotion? Am I even on the right path? What, you know, things like that. Or, um, but that's that's mostly, it's always tangible stuff like that that people want to know about. Nobody is, like, sits down and is, like, so, um, you know, like, how can I change my mindset? Or, like, what do I, what should, what should I look for in the future? What should I look, um, what should I look out for? Or, like, what's coming? Something like that. A lot of people don't ask that. It's usually, like, love or career related. Um, because that is kind of what weighs on people the most. That's where most of our stress comes from you know our jobs or our relationships with other people occasionally you know if you always feel stressed out by your relationship leave that relationship yeah. <laughs> um you know not to give you any blanket advice but that's a good one to start with um but a lot of people come with their stress they bring that stress they bring you know their anger or they bring their worry they bring all that to you And then when you're reading, so what happens a lot to me, especially if it's someone who's open um, and I'm getting a lot of, like, messages or readings for them, you'll get, your whole body will feel warm. You feel, like, hot. You're almost sweating um, no matter where you are. Like, I've been in a situation where I'm, like, because I'm I'm anemic, so I'm always cold. Me too. So (laughs) I'll be, like, there with, like, a sweater on and I'm, like, freezing and I'll start doing a reading and I'm, like, oh. sweat I have to take this off like it's crazy so you can like feel you'll get like goosebumps you'll feel like warm when you're doing the reading um if it's a really good reading where you're getting a lot of um like feedback from the other person and so they're open which creates like um a good environment to get messages and to read energies Um, But that, it drains you. You feel tired afterwards. And so you really have to, uh, you know, if you're working with anything where you are dealing with energies, trying to interpret them, you have to cleanse your own energy. um, Because other people's energies attach to you. And emotions, they attach to you. And then you're carrying around everything from them. So whether that's like meditation or, you know, a lot of people deal with, energy aligning like with chakras and doing um like reiki healing and stuff like that or um you know whatever it is that you feel works for you I'm not gonna say like one or the other is the best I don't know I mean but here's the thing that 
a lot of people ask, you know, does that work? Does meditation work? Does energy healing work? If you have, like, a crystal, do you really feel, like, that the energy around you changes? Like, the only criteria for for something working is if you if it helps you in any way. So even if, like, doing meditation or, like, moving some crystal quartz, like, holding it in your hand and moving it over your body, like, whether or not that tangibly does something if you if it makes you feel better then it works for you so that's what I have always held like I don't um you know I don't claim to know like I don't know if there's a god or what that god is I don't know if it's a he or she I don't know if there's a bunch I don't know if there's one I have no idea um but I find different rituals and practices from different religions that I like and I, I and if it works for me then I'll do it you know so that's how I feel about it and so I respect all, all different people's religions um, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody or um, do any harm to the universe or to anybody um, or any animals or yeah, our environment our earth but if it works for you, then it works. That's, I don't, I know a lot of people are very analytical and they want like studies. They want to see like the proof, like show me on paper right here, the proof that this is real and that it works. Like there's not, that doesn't exist for everything. It doesn't. And even, you know, like even feelings that you've had before, try to like put down in words, like, explain like what sadness is you you cannot do it like you can try like you can be like you can do like a metaphor you could write like a poem about it and be like sadness is ice cream on the sidewalk or something like that but like you can't fully explain that feeling to someone if they didn't know what it was already that's true um and so that to me is just like a good representation of the fact that you can't put everything in words you can't quantify everything um, you know, there's certain things that you can, like if you're talking about vaccinations, yes, there's hard scientific <laughs> evidence of things like that working. Or if you're talking about climate change, yes, there is like quantifiable data there that you can point to that proves that it's a, a thing. thing. But when it comes to spiritual things like this, like energies, like um, gods, goddesses, things like that, there's not going to be quantifiable proof for everything um and so to me it's just like it's exhausting to talk to people who are continuously about things that people believe in like that that there's not scientific data for like if someone's like I don't believe in climate change like yes talk to that person and be like here's the data but if someone is like I, you know, because that, because also because that hurts everybody. If someone's like, I don't believe in climate change or vaccinations or whatever, them not believing in those things, one, it's not like a belief because it's a scientific fact, but two, um, that hurts other people if they don't believe in that. Like, if they don't believe in climate change, they're not going to do anything to prevent it, which fucks all of us over. Yeah, it does. Um, and vaccinations, if they don't vaccinate their kids, that hurts all of us because, you know, we're all at risk to get sick from that. Um, or, like, children are at risk for getting sick um, from other children. And so that hurts people. That I understand. 
if someone is like, I like doing tarot readings, or like, I like reading about that, or I like to burn incense, or I like to do, um, you know, energy healing, or I like, I'm trying to think of other things that you could like, like doing rituals, or like meditation, or whatever. There's no, I don't understand the people who want to go after those people and, like, tell them that what they believe is wrong. Like, to me, that's on par with someone who's, like, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. Like, oh, well, you know, you're, oh, you believe in make-believe, blah, 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 and, like, going off on them. Like, okay, like, that's, like, unless they're hurt, literally unless they're hurting somebody, let, let them believe what they believe. Like, it's just dumb to me. Unless you're using your religion as a crutch to, like, hurt other people or to be harmful you know like unless you're like well I'm a Christian and God says he hates gay people then like yeah you're terrible like somebody should tell you that like you know you're a little bit misguided there but if someone's just like I believe in God and that's um you know I believe in a Christian God and I'm a Christian that's how I feel then like you know more power to that person as long as they're doing you know mm, I want to say the right thing but I guess that's kind of they're enriching the world around them, right. basically. As long as they aren't doing harm to other yeah. people, I guess that's just kind of my point, then I say let them do what they want to do. You know, people should be free to believe in whatever and express whatever they want to believe in. Um, you know, if, if I'm like, okay, valerian root is said to, you know, help with anxiety and depression, so I'm going to keep some in the house... Like, that's great, as long as it actually is helping me. I still, you know, will go to a therapist. I still, um, you know, if that therapist tells me that I need medication and I feel like that medication helps me, then I will use that as well. Um, you know, I'm not like, oh, I have, I have cancer, so I'm just going to take herbal medications and never see a doctor. No, I, mean, I don't believe that. You know, I do believe in herbal medications. I, I like, I think that herbs are like our oldest form of medicine, but we also have advancements. We have new technology. We have new medication um, that I think can be helpful, some of it. You know, a lot of it, you know, our pharmaceutical industry is terrible. Um, and very exploitative to people, especially people who are poor. But there are so many medications out there that actually work, that are proven to work, um, that aren't like a conspiracy, you know, that that we need to take if we're actually sick. Now, if it's something, you know, emotional or something mental or even something physical you're already getting help for and you just want additional help on that, I don't, I don't understand this stigma around, like, using something natural or something organic or something from an herb. As long as you don't, you don't have to reject all of science and modern medicine just to believe that that works also. You can believe both. And so I think that a lot of people just want to dismiss anybody who believes in, like, astrology, which is something that I love, or herbal remedies or medications or just herbs and their magical uses, um, tarot, things like that. Um, all that stuff's healing for your spirit, unless it's not. If it doesn't, if you, if you believe that, you know, that's not for you and you don't like it, that's fine. But it helps a lot of people spiritually. Um, it helps a lot of people emotionally. Um, and so let those people believe what they want and it doesn't mean that they're stupid. Like a lot of people think that if you're, you know, spiritual or if you're this, like, you lack critical thinking skills or you lack, um, 
you know, the ability to, to discern um, what's real and what's not. I feel like you can be both. And so I would say just, you know, don't judge people to have a conversation with people. If you have a conversation with them and you think that they are doing harm to others or themselves because of whatever it is they believe in, um, then, you know, be gentle, try to get them some help. But if they're not, if they're healthy, if they're happy, if they're fine with it, they're living their lives, you know, you might silently, like, in your head, just be like, what a hippie or something like that. But, you know, you don't have to say to them, like, you're a fucking hippie or, like, try to disprove them or, like, bring them down for their beliefs or... Or anything, just uh, my advice to everybody is be cool. <laughs> That's a really hippie thing to say, but everybody be cool, it's man. It's great advice, though. <laughs> I, think, I think that a lot of the reason why people do that is also education. Mm-hmm. There, We place stigmas on things that we feel are strange or weird or unusual, and it's easier for us to dismiss them rather than look into them. And I honestly, I love astrology. I love all kinds of things like that. But I also love learning about different cultures. Yeah. Because it's helped me grow as a person. Right. You're you're a lot more full and you're able to give more to the world if you even if you don't particularly believe in something like I've looked up things that have made, like, the Barnes and Nobles lieutenant go, are you okay? But, like, it's something that I enjoy doing because I like learning about everything. Like, even if I don't practice it, me and my sister are writing a book about the dark art. So we've we've read all kinds of of, of books and pieces, like, grimoires and, like, pieces of, of fiction that most people wouldn't pick up. But to me, that's fun and it's cool. And I, um... I find that people sometimes treat me like I'm a weirdo because they're like, you do all these cool things, and then they're like, well, that's, what, what's that? I'm like, that's a pendulum. Yeah. These are runes. These are things that I like to do and I enjoy to do. Um, but at the same time, you also have to understand that some people just will feel the way they feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, what is your process like, though, when you do tarot and you actually sit down with individuals? Because I know you said that you get... A lot of energy from people, sometimes it'll make you feel warm. Right. I've experienced that too, yeah. here and there. Um, what does that look like? I I have a very um, elaborate process, and my friends make fun of me for it. Um, I have a few friends that come over regularly, or that I've regularly done readings for. And also my boyfriend, whenever I bring like he'll be sitting on the couch like playing overwatch or something (laughs) and I'll do a tarot reading in the dining room and he can see me and he's just like he sees me with like a giant bag he's like oh you setting up for a tarot reading I'm like (laughs) yep and it's just me like alone in my house like doing it because I do a lot of readings um over the internet like email readings for people and I'll be like setting up and it's a lot but I always have um sage so either like a bundle of sage or an incense cone of sage. Um, I really love incense cones the most. Um, I have sage burning always, and I hold the deck in the um, in the smoke from the sage uh, just to cleanse the deck. A lot of people will just knock on the deck once to kind of like knock the energy out of it. Um, and I will do that occasionally if I don't have sage, but I like to use the smoke sage for that. Um, I also, I always have a candle, 
So I purple candles, light purple candles are the best because purple is like for clairvoyance. Um, but white is good, like white candles also because that's for like clear communication um, and also just keeps like bad uh, spirits and energy away. So always a candle. Um, usually the s small candles in whatever color, either purple or white or... Um, uh, or yellow. Yellow is also for clear communication. Um, but other than that, I also have like a chime candle um, and a candle in like a glass jar. Um, but it's like a pillar candle. It's like kind of tall. Mm -hmm. um, and they usually come related to like different gods or goddesses. So usually I just pick whichever one um, I get the best vibes from. And it will usually depend on what the person wants a reading on. So if somebody wants, like, a love reading, usually, like, a red candle is going to be good for that also. That's, like, the color of, like, passion and um, things like that. So it just depends if they want to know about, like, money or career or something. Usually burn, like, a green candle. Um, it really, the color is very obvious as to what they correspond to. Um, but that, I have a silk cloth that I put out. The one that I use, I actually got it Lush, mm -hmm. which is funny, but it's, like, one of their silk wraps, you mm -hmm. know, and it was from, like, Halloween a few years ago. It's, like, pink and purple with, like, these bats on it, and That's I love bats. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I love <laughs> bats, so um, I use that, and um, I keep all my decks in a wooden box, so I have the box, I put that out, and then I have some crystals that I lay out put all the crystals out and then I have a little bat totem that I got in New York and I put him out and then once all that's out then I can start to shuffle the cards and uh, typically if the person's in front of me then I have them state their question um, and then I repeat it over and over in my head while I shuffle um, if they're not there then I'll say the question out loud um, because I feel like saying it out loud puts it out into the universe, like, very definitively. A lot of people want to just, like, keep their question inside. Um, but there's a lot of power in, like, names. Mm -hmm. So saying the name of the person, or if they're asking about a specific person, saying that person's name um, is really powerful. And if it's about people, like, if it's, like, I have a question about me and this person or something, then um, I'll typically pull out the cards that correspond with their star sign for mm -hmm. astrology um, unless they say like oh but I'm really more of my moon sign or I really relate more with my rising sign then I'll pick whatever card they want um, set those two cards out to represent the people that are being asked about and then shuffle the deck cut it and then just read for whatever it was their question was um, but that's kind of my process oh and I always like to drink tea during it too um, I also just always like to drink tea, though, so, <laughs> so I'm drinking tea right now, so that's the best you. thing ever. That's typically my process. It is a little involved, but I feel like it, to me, it puts me in that headspace, which is very important to me. Like, I mean, I could, if I was forced, I could just, you know, knock on the cards, shuffle them wherever I am, and, you know, read, but having all that fanfare kind of about it 
is good. Maybe I'm just a little extra. It's okay. <laughs> it's better to do a little bit more than nothing at all. When people get readings from me, um, especially over the internet, is I like to send them pictures of the reading, um, and I just, I like people to see, like, hey, you know, I, this is, like, I did, like, go through this, you know, process, and... It, this was, like, important to me. This wasn't just, like, you know, sitting on the couch watching Friends and I did some reading for you. Here it is. <laughs> um, and it's kind of proof, too, that I actually, like, did it and I didn't just, like, you know... I don't know. I just... Not that people would do this, um, but some people might be desperate enough to just, like, you know, oh, I'm just going to use this app or I'm just going to pick these random cards or I'm just going to say it was this or something like that. Um, and I feel like it, it makes people feel... People really, like, they like to see the pictures, too, so. Um, it seems really sincere, too. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I feel like I want people to know that I did, like, take time on their reading and not just, you know, I did it really quick. Um, and so that's what I do before, like, every reading. <laughs> it's, sometimes it's a lot, but it's worth it. And how has the reception been thus far? It's been great. I have done do events at this point. Um, I do have an event coming up in September, I think. It's the um, Pagan Pride Day. Mm -hmm. So I will have a booth there. Um, but people, a lot of people who came to me when I first started out, um, you know, I went to a tarot class. Um, to learn a little bit more about it. And it was at a local shop called Spiritual Uplift. Shout out. Mm -hmm. um, it's in Mandarin, but they're actually moving locations. They are going to move to a bigger location. Um, but I took a tarot class there because I've been reading on my own for years now. Um, just like in my bedroom for myself, mm -hmm. you know, reading basically and like studying a little bit. And... I, but then for a while I gave it up, you know, I just didn't pick up the cards for a long time, mm -hmm. and I started to get more into it, um, you know, I went to New York, um, in February of this year, and I, every time I go to a new city, the first thing I do is I have to find a cult store to go to. Um, it's mandatory. It is, <laughs> and so I went to New York, and I was like, I, there's so many amazing occult stores here, like, I definitely have to go to some of them. And we ended up going, I, drug, I dragged my boyfriend along with me, but he's a good sport and didn't mind, and he even bought me a tarot deck at one of the places, but um, we went to like three or four different ones, and one of them that we went to was called Enchantments, um, which is, there's a really amazing occult store in New York, and they actually went viral a little bit online, um, because they have, they do, like, custom-carved spell candles for people. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so you go in, you tell them, like, what it is that you are worried about or what you want to improve. Like, you know, oh, I have low self-esteem, I want to boost it, or I want a candle for, like, creativity, or I want a candle for this and this. Um, and so you go in, you tell them, you tell them what your, like, astrology sign is and all that, um... And then they will, like, carve a candle for you. And they 
they pick like what the color is, but then they like rub it in like an essential oils, and then they rub it in glitter. That's um, awesome. And the glitter fills <laughs> in like um, where they carved it, so mm-hmm. you can see. And then they put it in like a. Um, they put incense inside of the um, the the glass like jar, and it's like a pillar candle mm-hmm. um, in the glass jar, and then when. Um, they rub the candle and then they have you like hold the candle for a second. Um, you have to put like honey on your finger and then um, you like eat the honey and they do like a little incantation and then they like drop the candle in and it has like all the smoke in it and everything. Um, That's and, awesome. Yeah. I need this in my life. It's amazing. <laughs> I still haven't burned mine just because I can't imagine like not having it but (laughs) I really want to burn it and I got the one that was for like creativity and like creative muse Mm -hmm. and so what I really want to do is like save it for a day when I'm just like off and I have nothing to do and I'm just like I'm gonna write the screenplay and I'm just gonna (laughs) light that candle um and they give you like a little instruction sheet that basically says like you know take a bath like a salt bath Mm -hmm. um because it's like a really purifying thing and just like cleanse yourself in some way um and then, like, set your intention, like, think about what it is you want, write it on a piece of paper, um, burn it, or, you know, whatever, bury it, do something, and then let this candle burn until it's done, um, and then that's, like, the spell, so I, uh, I got one of those, and, um, I got a new tarot deck while I was there, and I went to a bunch of those shops, and I got some other things, but, um, just going there kind of like reignited how I felt about it and ever since then I've just been doing a lot of readings um and it's been I mean like I said a lot of people when I first started doing it I was doing it for free just to get like practice Mm -hmm. um and I had like a google form and I had people fill it out and I did a bunch of free readings Um, which I still have a giant list of readings, but I just, you know, obviously prioritize the paid readings, but I am still doing some of the free readings people requested. Um, but a lot of people requested, had never had one done before. They were just friends of mine and they were interested, um, you know, trying to support me, which is amazing. Um, and so I did readings for them and uh, a lot of those people have had like three or four readings done now. That is awesome. Because they loved it and... One thing that I always hear from people that is really fun is um, a lot of people are like, it's crazy. It's crazy how, like, how spot on this was. It's insane that you did this and this without knowing me or without knowing anything about it. Um, And it's, you know, it's nice to hear that not just from, like, a ego perspective, Mm -hmm. like, not just, like, ha, I'm so good at this, or anything (laughs) like that, but it's nice because it helps people, like, and that's important, like, a lot of people will say, like, you know, oh, that's not real, or you're not getting anything, a message from it, or oh, that's so vague, or, you know, whatever it is, but, um, a lot of people will come, they get a reading, and, they like it so much it either gives them the confidence boost to do the thing that they needed to do or you know because here's the thing like if I sit there and someone's like you know should I take this promotion like should I do it you know I don't know if I tell them yeah you should do it then you know if somebody really didn't want to do it then they probably wouldn't do it anyway 
if I tell them, like, you should do this, like, that's what it's saying, or, like, it, you know, and I try to, I also do, I try to stray away from telling people definitively, like, do this or don't do this, mm-hmm. um, just because in the end, like, it is ultimately your decision on what you're going to do. That, you know, getting a tarot reading is not going to force you to make that decision one way or the other. Um, what it is going to do is bring up things, bring up insight, and cause you to, like, question what you're thinking. So if you go to get a reading about, you know, a promotion, and you really want to take it, and they tell you don't take it, then all that's going to do is have you weigh out your options further. That's just going to make you think about it more, which is good because sometimes if you really want something, you don't think about it. You're just like, okay, I'm going to take it. Um, so it gives you a lot of things to think about. And then in the end, if you decide, you know, ultimately, okay, I am going to do this, then that just means that, you know, at least from that reading, you got introspection, you got time to kind of look at that. And it told you, you know, this is what I really want because somebody told me not to do it and I'm going to do it anyway. Um, now whether or not that's the right choice, like, you know, only time will tell. And really it's probably partly, you know, what you put into it. So there is that, but, um, then if you didn't want to take it and it tells you, okay, yeah, you should take that promotion, then again, that just gives you more time for introspection. Like, why don't I want it? Well, if I don't want it, then what do I want? You know? And then that gives you a lot of things to think about whether you take it or not. You probably will discover something about yourself, you know, okay, I don't want this promotion. Why don't I want this promotion? it's because I hate my job, well, then what job do I want? Or it's because I hate my boss, well, then I need to find another place in this line of business or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want the job and the cards say take the job, well, there's still you know more questions you can ask, like, well, what do I look out for? You know, or what should I be wary of? Or what should I expect? Like, what should my first step be? You know, so those are all questions you can ask and... Um, you know, things that you can kind of expand on. Because when, when you do a reading, I don't know if anyone has ever, like, had a tarot reading before or if you've never had one, um, you know, you have the cards, but you can ask questions and then you flip additional cards over. Um, that is, if you're into it. If you're not and you're just, like, not asking any questions, you're not going to get anything. But if you are, you can ask questions like, well, what is that? You said that there was going to be you know, some kind of change here. Like, what's that change going to be related to? And I can draw another card or two and try to discern, like, what that change is going to be. Um, you know, if it's going to be emotional or mental or with a relationship with another person or if it's going to be, like, career change or something like that. So, um, you know, it's just, like, a really... It's a good time for thinking about yourself and your choices because I feel like we don't take a lot of time to think about ourselves, why we think the way we do, why we act the way that we do, um, you know, why we make the decisions that we make, and having a tarot reading forces you to take a look at yourself, um, and I think that a lot of people who don't like it or who shy away from it are people who don't like to evaluate themselves and, like, think about themselves, um, because it is, like, it's painful, like, change is painful, you know, that's why they call it growing pains. It's true. Um, but it's necessary, and it's just kind of like getting a tattoo, like, it's painful, but then eventually it just goes numb and you don't even feel it, and it's fine. I'll know soon. <laughs> I don't oh, have no. one yet. Oh, no. <laughs> You'll know. 
<laughs> it's painful, but then afterwards you want to do it again. So it's obviously not that painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much yeah, for absolutely. allowing me to speak with you today. So I ask a variation of this question. I've changed it because I don't want people to listen to the previous episode and say, she has to shit every time. So I'm going <laughs> to prepare right. to hear it. Um, but what are three things that you would say to your younger self? you could um that's a good question I would say one um just appreciate what you have all the time um take the time to look around you and appreciate what you have and don't feel regret for the things that you don't have or haven't done yet um second thing I would say is write literally every day don't let it become like a week and you realize you haven't written anything you know just keep writing every day make it a habit um and three I would say you know be confident just be confident don't let other people the things that they say ruin your day don't listen to other people when they um you know try to bring you down in whatever way and don't be angry